0: hey guys welcome back to that florida feeling i hope you guys have had a great week i'm gonna go ahead and apologize on this episode if you hear a lot of banging that are doing construction where we live so bear that in mind as you listen to this episode my cats have not gone crazy nothing is actually wrong they're just redoing our building so did everybody have a good week i did it's been interesting Uh, i wanted to first say thank you to all the likes, subscribes and follows And all the interactions on the Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. You guys are awesome. I had no idea half those restaurants even existed in Florida. So thank you for the suggestions. I've written them down on my to-do list when we're in those areas. So I love that. I love that we can give each other suggestions and, you know, things that you know and I know. And then it's like, hey, I found a new fun place. And that's really the goal of this. So thank you. Also, good to know that we all like key lime pie. Although, I I don't know. I kind of thought excuse me dole whip would be higher up in the votes but it is what it is it's fine if you've never tried dole whip i encourage it highly uh side note i did just cough obviously you heard it i am still a little under the weather so bear with me on that one it shouldn't be as bad as last week's but i do apologize and thank you guys for all the reviews i really appreciate that again if you haven't reviewed on apple please do um comments are highly encouraged It just kind of helps everybody else get to see how awesome this podcast is, and I appreciate that. Uh, Spotify also has a review. Again, five stars. You don't have to comment, but if you have a second, it would really be great to get the podcast out. Thank you for all the awesome, encouraging words about everybody uh, for my interview from Voyage Tampa. That is still really fun. It's still kind of really cool that it happened. And thank you for those of you who had some nice words to say about that i really appreciate it and for those of you who reached out during the last few weeks it's been kind of hard for me and my family so again thank you you guys are awesome don't forget to use the hashtag that florida feeling on your florida pics on either instagram facebook or twitter so i can see them i would love to share them mary Kay sent an amazing photo out of port charlotte i got to post it on the group and the page so thank you that's an awesome picture mary Kay. I really appreciate you sharing that and Crimson Mask on Instagram sent me a really cool picture of a turtle from the Zoo Tampa, which is really cool. Which, fun fact, I actually got to go to Zoo Tampa yesterday. If you saw the Instagram video, then you know that that we got to go right when it opened. And there was not a lot of people and not a lot of animals were out yet. I was I was kind of sad. <laughs> the penguins were sleeping in yesterday. But you know what? I slept in today, so I can't really say anything. But yeah, thank you guys for sharing your awesome Florida Photos and you know, tagging me and things so I can see what's going on and also share them. I appreciate it. So today I want to talk about one of Florida's natural features that people have probably heard about but don't know about. And I'm not talking about our beautiful beaches. I'm actually talking about Lake Okeechobee. Lake Okeechobee is actually really cool. I went probably two months ago. It was much bigger than I thought it was gonna be, and it's just it's a really cool area it is a lake in south central florida and it does have the nickname florida's inland sea and that is because it is huge you guys um driving around it actually takes quite a bit of time and the lake is named the florida's inland sea for a reason because it's the biggest freshwater lake in florida and again it really is huge like you cannot see from one side to the other they have a loop that you can drive around that i just mentioned and it's actually kind of fun it's something cool to do and You know, one side of the lake obviously looks very much different from the other side of the lake. Because, fun fact, that lake is in about four different counties at once. Um, And it also is actually the eighth largest lake in the U.S. And the second largest freshwater lake that is contained entirely in the lower 48 states. So that's kind of cool. Florida has one of those distinctions. Um, The lake actually covers about 730 square miles, depending on if it's... Really shallow, or well, depending on the rainy season or not, basically, if they've let a lot of water out, like lake shrinks a little bit. If it's higher, then it goes up. I'm sorry, you guys, if you can hear the construction. Um, One of my cats is freaking out, so if you hear that, too, I'm sorry. <coughs> Back to Lake Okeechobee. The lake actually is not very deep. Um, It's only got an average depth of about 9 feet. So, which is amazing, because to me, when I think of Lake Okeechobee, it's this massive lake, and I thought it's got to be just... A huge sinkhole and massively deep and it's really not um it is in the Everglades so I guess maybe that kind of adds to its shallowness uh the lake is mainly fed by the Kissimmee River and it feeds out to it from the north um the lake actually sits oh excuse me five different counties not four but five different counties it's going to be in Glades County Okeechobee County Martin County Palm Beach County and Henry Counties and the counties kind of meet at a point in the center of the lake um, so that's kind of cool and different Now, obviously Lake Okeechobee stands out for its name, but how did it get its name? Well, the name Okeechobee comes from the Hitachi word oki, which means water, and chubby meaning big, so basically it means big water, um, which makes a lot of sense. And the name was actually first reported by Hernando de Escalante Fontanita in the 16th century, and then Rene Goulien de... I've, y'all, it's a French name. I'm sorry. I'm not going to butcher that. Uh, but somebody named Rene reported it in the 16th century of hearing of a lake in South Florida, a large lake called Siropi. And the lake actually kind of took on a mythical sense because nobody had really seen it, but they'd only heard of it. And this actually led to the British calling it the Spanish name Laguna de Espiritu Santo. Um, and then it just kind of kept growing. The legend of it kind of kept growing. In the early 19th century... The lake actually became um, Mayako Lake or Lake Mayaka after the Mayaka people that were originally from the St. John's River area and had moved to the lake area in the early 18th century. And modern Port Mayaka is actually preserved the name in its current name. Um, It's part of Florida. So that's kind of cool that history still continues to get to preserved in that area. Now, the lake has been inhabited or its shores or its islands were inhabited for a very long time. Um, pioneers to the area even settled on three of the southern islands. Kramer, Rita, and Tory, And the settlements were fairly expansive. Like, these weren't just, like, people who went out and built, like, a hut. No, these these had, like, towns on these little islands. Um, they contained general stores, post offices, schools. They even held town elections. Like, these were legit towns on these little islands. And, of course, these towns mostly relied on farming because the land was so fertile from the lake but it was also challenging because it is an island so some days you have more shoreline and some days you have a lot less shoreline and that's kind of really how the settlements played out they didn't really last as long as they probably could have um, because they were all abandoned by the 1960s but the lake does play an important part of the area's ecosystem economics and settling in that area um, there's actually a Seminole Reservation near the northwest shore of the lake today. I have been to it. It's a very interesting and very cool area. If you're ever in that area, do go by it, um, especially if you're into history. Uh, it's, it's a really interesting area. Actually, the whole area around the lake is really interesting, but it, it's really cool that they've managed to preserve a lot of the history in that area. Now, the lake sits in a shallow geological trough that underlies the Kissimmee River and, of course, parts of the Everglade. And the trough is full of clay deposits that are, com- that are really compacted, um, actually much more so than the rest of Peninsular Florida, and that's kind of what keeps the lake shape. Now, the area was actually a dry trough until about 6,000 years ago when the sea levels began to rise. And the levels rising is actually what caused the water table in Florida to rise as well, which kind of makes sense. And... Apparently, there was also an increased rainfall in this area due to climate changes. And, of course, the changes meant that the peat deposits began to grow and form those wetlands that we call the Everglades today. Now, the water in the area eventually flowed and pooled in the area to create Lake Okeechobee, which means that the bottom of the lake is the wetlands and peat deposits from 6,000 years ago, which is kind of cool to think that, obviously, the bottom of the lake has much more history than the top of the lake. Um, Now, the lake can hold... About 1 trillion US gallons of water, and it is the headwaters to the Everglades. So this lake, again, is a very important part to southern Florida. Now the foot of the lake, uh or the bottom, is a buildup of peat and limestone. And the maximum depth is 13 feet, but again, most of the lake only sits at nine feet. Uh, The waters are dark and murky uh, from runoffs from farmlands and natural vegetation. I can say that I was not expecting that when I went and visited Lake Okeechobee. I thought it was going to be a little more clear, a little more something, but it was like black water, like dark, murky black water. And I was like, oh, okay. Uh, It's still a beautiful lake. It's just not what I expected in my mind because you see a lot of lakes in Florida that are clear and beautiful in their springs, and that is not Lake Okeechobee at all. Um, Now, the lake is enclosed by a 40-foot high Herbert Hoover dike that was built by the U.S. Army after the hurricanes that uh, really kind of caused the lake to flood and overflow and really kind of ruined part of the area. So they knew that this was going to be a problem and they needed to do something about it. So they built this dike which is actually the part, the loop that you can drive on today. Now the waters that make up the lake come 60% from the Kissimmee River and the rest is made up from smaller creeks and sloths with fish eating creek making up the second largest flow into the lake. Now of course if you've ever been to Florida you know it's full of lakes and rivers and they all kind of connect one way or the other and that's no exception for Lake Okeechobee. And I'm about to butcher a couple names here, so just bear with me. Lake Istokpoga. Let's go with istakpoga Lake Istokpoga used to connect to the Kissimmee River, and during the rainy season, it would overflow, and then the lake would actually connect to Lake Okeechobee itself. Um, this caused some flooding issues, so now Lake... now drains directly into Okeechobee due to a series of canals and drains that only add to the water source, kind of cutting out the Kissimmee River to avoid that overflowing in the area. And Lake Okeechobee used to maintain its outflow by pushing water into the Everglades, but today they've kind of redirected some of it and have water into canals that connect to the coastal rivers. Um, Because, as you all know, if you've ever been to Florida in the rainy season, it is very rainy and things overflow very quickly. So this has kind of helped the area not to flood so much. Now, the lake is shallow and it can be hard to navigate at times during the dry season because with a nine foot lake and it gets really dry and the waters, of course, recede, then where the lake was is not where the lake is now. Um, and of course, they realized this and built a rim canal that left the lake navigable during the dry season because it still allows movement through the lake because this is still some place that they use to transport items uh faster than going around it's just a straight line so this canal actually allows the lake to be used for transport recreation and other uses year-round and since we're in the dry season right now i can assume that that's probably what they're doing now now the lake is very important to the ecosystem as it maintains the flora fauna and wildlife that are important to the area Now, fishing in the lake is very popular. In fact, it's probably the most popular uh, recreation in the lake. And the most common types of fish you're going to find are largemouth bass, crabby, crappy, crappy, apparently crabby. Apparently I'm just, yeah, sorry guys. So largemouth bass, crappy, bluegill, and every now and then you can find pickerel, um, but mostly bluegill and bass. And that's something that's kind of typical to Southern Florida. Um, The lake is home to over 40 types of native fish. And that includes some species that thrive in lake waters. Um, The Mayan chiclet is actually one of those fish that thrive in Lake Okeechobee. And the yearly fishing recruitment is positively correlated with the increased water levels, which provide more resources to the fish. So more water, more fish. And of course, the fish population is important to the wading birds, the alligators, and other wildlife that visit the area, such as herons, egrets, ibises, and wood storks. You can find those all around the lake. Now, of course, you can find alligators in the lake, so please be careful if you do go to the shores of Lake Okeechobee. You are not alone. Um, the one interesting thing about the lake is is that the lake is subject to large algae blooms, much like red tide, um, and the blooms can be severe. They can cause harm to plants, animals that are in and around the lake. Um, now, the blooms itself is caused by a mixture of things. Uh, excessive runoff that contains phosphate, though, which... Side note, phosphate is a fertilizer in farming. It's also something that is found directly in South Florida. So whether it's from the farming or natural, it's yet to be actually determined, or it could be both. Um, But these excessive runoffs have been shown to have the most impact to cause these blooms. And some years it's okay, it's minimal, it happens naturally, but some years it can get very, very bad. It can really impact not only the lake, but the areas around it. Um, And this actually happened in 2016 the lake had a really bad bloom that lasted from may to mid july and it really affected the fishing industry the recreation the t- tourism the trade it, and it does kind of it really does kind of mess up the area and that's really what the area depends on um now the previous winter in 2016 there had been record high temperatures and of course more storms plus the phosphate and that really just caused kind of the perfect storm and make sure to create this bloom um that's been the last really big one, and I remember that one because it really did kind of devastate the area for a little bit. Now, the lake also has been the center of environmental concerns in the recent years. Uh, climate change, human interference, they've all caused issues and changes to this big body of water. Um, and, of course, it's it's a body of water that we want to protect because it is important to Florida and its na- native wildlife. Now, in 2007, uh, a bad drought to southern Florida meant that the lake drained massively, like, the water levels were so low that they were actually able to bring in, uh, well, probably backhoes, but it says truckloads, but something to get it in the trucks, and they were able to remove truckloads of toxic mud, um, so yes, the bottom of the lake is toxic mud created by either runoffs, and or natural sources. Um, And they did this to kind of create a better habitat for the wildlife, to be able to sustain it, to keep the parasites and the toxins down. And what they found when they removed this mud is that it contained high levels of arsenic and other pesticides from farming runoffs into the lake. So it was a good thing that they did this, and the mud was found to have such high levels of arsenic that they could not even dispose of it on land properly. So, yeah... Um, And that's really one of the main environmental concerns is that people are worried that the runoffs from the farming in the area still to this day will create this mud again. And I can understand that. Um, Of course, that was 2007. 2008 was actually not much better for the lake um, because the water levels remained really low. Um, Still more droughts. And then this, if you've ever been to Florida, you know that fires are a natural thing thanks to lightning strikes. Hopefully not idiots, but mostly lightning strikes. And they actually saw fires on the exposed lake bed, um, which, again, caused more problems for the wildlife and the people around this lake. But thankfully, the lake has managed to come back. Uh, tropical storms tend to help this wet seasons. Um, you know, some years you get a lot of tropical storms in the area and some years you don't. Uh, 2013 was, again, a bad year for the lake as central Florida saw This time, the opposite, more heavy rains, um, heavier than normal, which meant that the lake actually had to be lowered. Instead of being able to do it on its own, it had to be lowered from the runoff so that it would not uh, overflow the area and cause massive flooding. Now, the problem with that was that when the water was pushed out of the lake, it was polluted because of the runoff. And this sent it through the St. Lucie River estuary, which actually ended up damaging the ecological system in that area. So, you can't win for lose in some of this in South Florida. Um, and the lake has been battling polluted backwater and high water levels in the recent years. Um, it has been more rainy and more tropical storms recently. So, that makes a lot of sense. Now, the South Florida Water Management was granted emergency permission to pump clean water into the lake in 2017 to save the animals and the plants. Because of all this bad water, and I know that they've been working towards, There's a, you always hear about it in the news, there's a lot of things being done to protect Lake Okeechobee and to stop all this runoff. Um, and the lake does continue to struggle with these algae blooms, the water runoffs, and the farm polluting. Um, but this is something that Florida is working on to help sustain the area, to prevent any more ecological damage, and to really know that it's a natural resource that it needs to protect. Um, so it's a, it's a very interesting topic in florida and you do tend to hear about it yearly um but they do understand that this is a problem and that they are working on it so that is really good um now the lake is a beautiful lake and aside from its problems it does have a lot of interesting history and places along its shores now the lake okeechobee scenic trail is part of florida's national scenic trail that does surround the lake you can drive on this 100 foot wide dike that surrounds the lake and makes up part of this trail that's the loop i was telling you that you could drive around Now the path is set up for vehicles hikers and bicyclists and so you can enjoy the shores of the largest lake in florida and the little towns that do dot it and call it home Um, now like i said not all shores of the lake are created equal and some are a little more different than others and you know there's something for everybody on the shores of lake Okeechobee. in fact one place is cluiston and cluiston is a small town that sits on the shores of the lake and this town is called Florida's Sweetest Town, and that's because there's sugar plantations and even a sugar festival that's held every year. Now, the town is known for its sugar festival, bass fishing, and scenic nature, thanks to the lake. The town also has a beautiful downtown area that dates back to 1938, and it was actually... Exi- ex- blah, blah, blah. Let me try that again. Where's it hard, y'all? It was actually built by the U.S. Sugar Company as a place to exhibit and to host executive dignitaries, tourists, and then it became its own town. Now, the Cluiston Inn actually still exists today and sits in the downtown area, and it's even on the National Register of Historic Places. Now, the town is built on its past with the sugar companies and its beautiful nature that makes up South Florida. You can camp, fish, take in safaris, even tour the glades and learn about the history in this small town on the shores of the biggest lake in Florida. Another really cool small town is LaBelle. Um, this is another small town near the lake that is welcoming and historic The town is actually on the, God, another big word, along the Kalahousahatchee River that runs off the lake. And the town is known for its Curtis Honey House, Sweeping Citrus Farms, and of course, the Swamp Cabbage Festival. LaBelle's history is steeped in farming and cattle raising that is still popular with the Florida Cowboys even to this day. The town has a wonderful downtown area, and it also sits right outside the Okaloochee Sloth State Forest. The area is big on fishing and camping, so if you're a nature lover, this is probably the area you would want to check out. And the Swamp Cabbage Festival is held in Florida with the goal to keep the spirit of pioneers alive and honoring their heritage, which is coming up right now. So if you're in South Florida, maybe you should check out the Swamp Cabbage Festival. The festival honors the Florida State tree, the cabbage palm, and showcases food that can be made from the tree that the pioneers would have ate when they were settling in the area. So that's kind of cool. It keeps the uh Florida traditions alive. Now a little town that I actually want to highlight on uh is on the banks of the Caloosahatchee River and Lake Okeechobee is Moorhaven. Now Moorhaven is a really cool little town known for its beautiful views of the lake, freshwater fishing and camping. And the lake has even adapted to its surrounding and embracing nature and they have some of the best water fishing in the area. It's also one of the oldest in the Lake Okeechobee region, and it was once a boom town in this area. The town is known for its first woman mayor, Marion New- Newhall Horwitz, Horwitz, who was elected in 1917. So this is a fun place that you can visit, take an old historic Florida fish, embrace nature, and really just enjoy the views that make up South Florida and the Everglades. Now, like I said, the area is full of history, and part of that history comes from the hurricanes believe it or not um a lot of florida's history actually comes from hurricanes and in 1926 the great miami hurricane hit the lake okeechobee area and unfortunately it killed approximately 300 people during the storm um this makes me grateful for all the storm tracking and NOAA and all the stuff that we deal with today in hurricane season to prevent these kind of tragedies um, now, the lake did not have time to recover as two years later in 1928, the, le- the actual Okeechobee hurricane passed over the lake and this time, unfortunately, it killed thousands in the area due to flooding. Um, the Red Cross initially reported 1,800 people, but it has been revised to 2,500 due to the flooding from the storm surge that overtook the actual lake and the fact that the hurricane brought in water. Um, from not just the lake, but the surrounding areas. So that's really what was the main reason for those deaths. And that was the reason that they built the new dike that goes around the lake to prevent this kind of flooding from happening again. Now, the hurricanes that led to the Okeechobee Flood Control District... Okay, let me read that again. I didn't punctuate that right. Sorry. The hurricanes actually led to the creation of the Okeechobee Flood Control District and the dikes that are in place today thanks to the Army Corps of Engineers. Now, the Okeechobee Waterway was officially opened in 1937, and that was a series of canals, channels, gates, and levees that allowed the control of the water levels to protect from overflow and flooding. Now, in 1947, the waterway was tested when the Fort Lauderdale Hurricane sent a storm surge over the dike, which then caused them to expand it in the 1960s to the one that you see today. Now, the more recent hurricanes like Francis, Janine, Wilma, and Irma did not have any major effects on the lake. However, Hurricane Wilma did cause the lake to rise 18 inches in 2005. But this shows that with the right procedures and the levees and the dikes and all the things that help protect the area from flooding that it is doing its job. And the lake is important to the area, and they've made sure that while the lake stays an important part of South Florida, it also doesn't flood out and damage the rest of South Florida. Now, Lake Okeechobee's been around for years, and with all of its history in the area, that means that some people who came to the area have never left. Okeechobee residents have been telling of a woman in white who sometimes strolls through the Everglades Cemetery on misty mornings. The figure would disappear as the sun would evaporate the fog, and to this day, nobody knows why she why she sticks around who she is or where she came from. And that's not the only person in the area who liked the area so much that they just stayed. Downtown Okeechobee has a building known as the Old Bank Building off of State Route 70. And it was actually only a bank for two years, but it, the name just stuck. Now, the building went through lots of changes over the years. But when it was a bank, it was the site of a robbery by the infamous Ashley Gang. And, of course... Like all robberies do, sometimes it just doesn't go right. Well, technically we're robbing something. Something's obviously not gone right. But this one went a little bit worse. And somehow, one of the members of the gang was locked in the safe. Now, the story goes that the safe was broken in the robbery, and instead of fixing the old one, they just brought in a new one, covered the old one, and forgot about it. Now, the spirits are said to have made appearances in the buildings over the years. Um... Whether that's true or not, who knows? It's definitely an interesting story about Okeechobee. But the newest owners have reported since they bought the building that they haven't seen the spirit. So either they got peace or somebody just had a lot of fun telling some stories. Now, the last ghost story in the area is on a building that I mentioned a, min- a minute ago. And this is in Cluiston. And that's the Cluiston Inn, downtown historic Cluiston. And it is said to have two rooms that are especially haunted. The first one is room 255, and it's said to be visited by Anita Conklin, a long-time in-resident. She actually lived there with her husband until he passed away, and then she stayed in the room until she passed away in 1994. They say that the switchboard will light up with calls from the room, even when it's vacant, and it's said to have an eerie feeling near the kitchen area. I guess Anita liked it so much that she just chose to to stick around. Now the other room is room 118 and it's supposed to be the most haunted room in the end. The room is said to be home to a woman apparition and has even been photographed in the room. The staff are so used to the ghost that they even knock on the door before entering the room even when no one's there because they respect that that is her room. I think that's kind of cool. Now, Lake Okeechobee is an amazing natural feature in Florida and it's a beautiful and fun place to visit. The people who enjoy... Fishing, hiking, and nature will find no shortage of things to do in and on the shores of Lake Okeechobee. I had fun exploring these shores. Um, There are actually many people in the area. I saw people going in with boats and getting ready to fish or just walking around and strolling and enjoying the beautiful lake itself. And it's only about an hour from the shores of South Florida. So it's kind of perfect for a day trip if you want to take in freshwater fishing boating or any of the other recreational activities in the area it does sit on the edge of the everglades so there are things you've got to watch out for guys Um, alligators mosquitoes snakes and of course florida man florida man's everywhere so today's florida man story is one that i think is funny and that's just because i've flown recently um did you hear about the florida man that got kicked off the flight for wearing underwear as a face mask (laughs) i remember seeing this on the news and it was like what so the man was kicked off at united flight for wearing a woman's thong as a mask he said in his defense that the underwear covered his nose and mouth which is the point of a mask and i mean i guess it kind of worked i i have so many questions about the story some are probably not appropriate for the podcast but um so yeah if you're flying you do still have to wear a mask And you should probably make it not underwear. Just saying. Um, I can say that when we flew, I saw some interesting masks. One guy just pretty much tied a scarf around his face. Um, So, you know, it's not going anywhere for a while, guys. Just, you know, $5 at the store. Just buy a mask. It's okay. Wear it when you have to. You know, not saying you have to all the time. Um, But, you know, do your part to help other people. And if it's required, then just go with it. Or don't do it. Those are your options. Uh, I hope that you guys have enjoyed today's episode on one of Florida's hidden gems. It's a really beautiful spot that I hope you guys get ready to get to check out someday. Or now that you've heard about it, make plans to visit it on your next Florida trip. Don't forget to be on the lookout for questions and polls on Tuesdays. Please leave a five-star review if you have a second. I have been posting more questions on Spotify to see how you guys respond and like the um, content. So if you have a second, you could answer those. Thank you for listening, guys. I hope that you have a great week. I hope that as we go through the springtime that everybody really gets what they need and gets to enjoy beautiful days and that things just go well for all of you guys. Um, So as always, that's your daily dose of sunshine.